I not played you on your show or anything. Okay. All right, there's a live show, so. This is a live show. No, it's not live. Can you imagine this was live? Well, there's a live audience. Yeah. There's a live audience There's right a live audience right now. Yeah. Um, it's a pretty judgmental audience, if you ask me. Holy <laughs> shit. Am I right? Are you right? Like, holy, yeah. Yeah, I'm right, not you. Well, we're both right if we're agreeing. Anywho, Rasputin's penis. <laughs> On the on the topic, of <laughs> that's it. gonna be. I'm gonna open with that. All right. I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm just gonna roll with it. Okay. Why? Why? T- <laughs> well, did you know Alexander the Great was actually a homosexual? How would we know that? Well, a lot of Macedonian soldiers tended to fornicate as a sign of brotherhood. Really? Yeah. Wait, how, uh, where'd you learn that? I was there. <laughs> oh, okay. You were there, huh? I was. Oh, yeah. Were you one of them? I wish. <laughs> yeah. Nah, yeah. Are you being serious? I am being serious. I don't know how we know that, but it's like a, a pretty well-known fact. No way. And Alexander the Great never had a wife, but it was known that he would get big, get jiggy with his boys. What about how um, in like ancient Rome... This is great content we should be getting. No, this is very interesting. Well, I'm, like, I'm, I'm going to introduce you as like... Because you're going to school for history. Like, what do you... Yes. Okay, well, open open that up. What do you like? You be want to be a history professor, a teacher? You like a historian? What do you want to be? Yes, Jack. <laughs> my God, holy shit! No, I want to be a, a history teacher, a history teacher, or a professor. But yeah, cause we'll I'm, start uh, with teaching. Okay, because I'm gonna mention that obviously, yeah, but um, better not. I better not. So of course, the first thing this man says, Do you know how Rash Putin's uh, penis was like? Fuck it, it was huge. It, you saw it; it was big. I did see it. It was pretty. I can't and show you guys because it's YouTube, but it was actually gigantic. It didn't even look normal. It didn't. It looked like a horse's penis. It, actually, it looked like it was oddly shaped. Um, also, it's been in like a a, a jar, jar of, like of formaldehyde like, or yeah. something, um, or pickle juice. I don't know. Is, is it true or something that uh, the like ancient Romans, like before battle, whatever, they would go into a tent to all have sex with women, but it was a tent because they wanted it really dark. Cause they might have had sex with their sister and mother. You know, I don't know. I think that's true. I took a whole class about ancient Rome uh, last year. Yeah. Didn't come up once. Um, I doubt it would. <laughs> uh, you know, I think it would have been an interesting topic. Yeah. Especially if they, <laughs> you know, like ancient Rome only fans. Like they probably had that. Ancient Rome only fans. Yeah. I mean, they have that. They make they can make aqueducts. They can do. What about how the argument that. Um, Prostitution is the oldest profession. Do you agree with that? It is. Do you think? Okay, sure. Yeah, you can be like, I want to. Totally I want to trade my body for that piece of food. Yeah. But what about like when it comes to a profession where some, somebody's actually like skilled at something? It, what if it's like uh, being a doctor? I feel like that might have been the. Well, you, you can you not be skilled at sex? You're right, but I feel like um, something you'd have to learn over time instead of naturally being able to do. What do you mean? Like you can naturally, you just instinctually know how to have sex, but you can't instinctually know how to be a doctor. Well, you can have an instinctual inclination to be good at a doctor. You could be, like, naturally inclined to be good, and over time I with mean, like, practice. You could, yeah, also, I back then, there were no such thing as good doctors, because they had no oh, idea yeah, what no, they were I know doing. fucking shit. But if somebody's like, hey, my arm broke, and their friend's like, alright, let me take a look at it. Like, I feel like, um, other than prostitution, it probably would have been, uh, like, a medic, or, like, even if it's, like, what about, uh, like, a, a chef, or a farmer. But they weren't selling. No, their own they weren't. Yeah, then. no, no, they weren't. But someone would be like, "Oh, the witch doctor, come, let's go yeah. figure this out." Or even like a religious, like I would uh, say, sermon. I would, I would refrain from saying witch doctor. That's a Why? highly. Uh, Why? What? What does that mean? It's kind of like a racist. Is it really? Yeah, I had no idea. I learned that the uh, phrase "peanut gallery" is racist. Really? 
Yeah, and I I could be wrong, but I think it has to do with um when I don't know if it was during segregation or during slavery or both or whatever, but um they would have all uh black people sit in the back by the like fruit snack stand. Oh, I've heard this actually, yeah. And if they would like make noise, like we don't want anything from like the peanut gallery or whatever. Yeah. Don't I don't I think that's true. I'm I know sure. I think I've heard that. Yeah. That sounds right. Which is crazy, I've been saying it my whole life. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, I had so no idea. It's, it's so weird how there's so many common phrases that are like really like fucked up. It's like, oh jeez. It's weird, right? There's well everything in our societies you can probably connect it back to something racist. Do you know any others? Do you know any of the like like little things? I feel like just, well, there's a lot, man. The one I always think of, I wouldn't call this little, I would say just the formation of suburbs and how Oh man. The ru- the rules that they put in place that were like Technically not racist, but like super racist. Are those racist. Uh, the the red line something? Yeah, yeah, so redlining. But one of the rules they put in place when they first made suburbs yeah. was, excuse me, um, was if you want to live in the suburbs, you could only have like your nuclear family live there. You couldn't have more than two generations. So parents and children living in a ho- a home. But I don't know if you know this, but it's pretty common practice for minority families to have more than two generations. So they would yeah. have grandma mom and children living in a home but you couldn't do that if you live in the suburbs it had to be parents and children who, only who enforce that how do you how do you enforce something like that how do you enforce anything yeah, like, no but like i mean like did, did, like were there actually i'm not asking if you actually know because you didn't live there and it's probably hard to find out but like did like police officers or any kind of law enforcement be like hey we noticed that you have more people there, you're getting evicted, like in the suburbs. That, that you think that would happen? I think it was just a way to discourage people discourage. from 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 moving in. And I mean, if there was a black person living in the suburbs, the police yeah. were watching them like fucking hawks. Yeah, probably. Definitely. That's crazy. Yeah. Um. And there's countless other examples of stuff like that that I uh, I, yeah, I don't sure. know, but there's. I think I th- I find it fascinating that um. I was talking to my friend a very long time ago, maybe like four or five years ago, and I was saying to him, and he's he's not black, but he's uh he's Muslim, um and he's Egyptian, so he's um he doesn't look white, right? Um, and I w- I was not only agreeing with him, but I think I was the one that brought it up, where saying that you can trace almost every single um hardship that uh at least black people go through to uh, to slavery you you can't i mean like you would have to do like a lot of like when i say math i don't mean literal math but like a lot of math to like connect all the dots but yeah you could always trace it back um eventually it comes to the point where you're like we can actually do something to fix this now but like you saw like uh what was it when slavery ended and what's the word for like giving people back something that they deserve reparations reparations and um they would. They gave him like this much land, a donkey or whatever, and I don't know for which portion of the country. Then it's also like, all right, here you one human being try to take care of this all on your own. You've never learned how to use it. I f- like I don't know. Like yeah, it's pretty hard. They did but that. Even, even when they do that, you know. They did that, and then they created something called the Black Codes, which oh, I heard about this. What? Yeah, go ahead. Which made um, crimes like jaywalking or even walking on train tracks a felony. Oh wow! And then they would send you to uh, a prison, and once you were in prison, they would sell you to a yeah. like a mine or some sort of inhumane kind of place where they would work you to death. And it was people say the black codes were worse than slavery. 
because at least if you were a slave, you had value because you um, cost like yeah, I don't know, like I don't yeah, like no ten grand, like yeah. ten grand. But if you were a prisoner, you were sold for pennies on the dollar, and they could work you to death and just buy a new one because they were just prisons were just inundated with black people because anything that a black person did, especially black men, was a crime. Yeah. I I get lost thinking about how I know there's other reasons to to fight the civil war, but like the 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 glaring one about slavery, right? I I get lost on how the North were like, let's free slaves, but then they did it, and they were like, all right, now let's unfree them. Basically, I was like, how does that doesn't make any sense? What do you, what the fuck just happened? Uh, that confuses me all the time. You know why? Why? Because they realize once they free the slaves, they're gonna lose a lot of their own jobs, and they don't want that. You know, I had. One of my guests, his name is Bashoy, and he was talking about the reason why, well, one of the reasons why um that all happened, and the whether it was the higher ups, the government, the one percent, or whatever, they would try to convince, um, like poor white people, poor uh, middle uh, class uh, white people, that the their problem is not the government, it's not the rich people, it's the poor people, because the poor people need more or asking for more which is kind of bullshit um because the problem that usually the problem is never what's underneath you it's what's above you but it worked and they were like oh these these fucking poor people the uh black people or any minority and it fucking worked what the hell right yeah i remember him telling me about that i never even thought about that it's crazy right yeah it, it was it was actually crazy because some of the most racist people at that time that like were fighting the most to keep black people enslaved were poor white people that didn't even have enough money to own slaves because they didn't want anybody because they were at the bottom of society but they at least had someone below them and they yeah. didn't and they didn't want it's you don't want to be at the bottom you want to be above someone else and yeah. that's that's like really human too i feel like yeah 100 percent. and not to like break into a different topic but i always talk about like i think like two or three times on the set on the spot what what's, what what's up i don't know i just just la- you smiling? I told ha- you. Having a good time? I'm going to laugh the whole time. The, I, talk, I talked about communism a few times, and a lot of people say communism would work. And I think the people that say that never do research into the countries that tried it. They only read the books about it. Because on paper, it's the fucking perfect system. Oh, it's fucking fantastic. It's never been tried, but though. In practice, what do you mean it's never been tried? Never been accurately tried the way Marx would want it. How would he want it opposed to how we've done it? So let's take Russia. That's like probably one of the biggest examples. Okay. In like the twenties. Yeah. Um, well, because they call it Leninism for a reason, because he consolidated all the power within himself, which is not what Karl Marx wanted. Okay. He wanted a separation of that because so uh, communism, socialism, whatever the, the fuck. Well, communism, I guess, because we're talking Marx, only works if the power is pretty much separated equally, which is honestly pretty impossible. And see. Before you continue, that's the point I'm trying to yeah. make. Is that on paper it's fucking awesome, but because and, and th- I'm going to connect it back to what I was talking before. But because we're goddamn humans, it will never happen. What you said before, we always want to be on top of somebody. We don't care who it is, but we got to be better than somebody because we're the same as everybody else. We don't feel like we have our own identity anymore. We don't like it. So that's why I'm saying communism is impossible. Not because it's not a good idea, but because we're humans. It, it, you need be- benevolency, and you're not going to get it. You're not. And then I'll ta- I'll make episodes about that, and I'll talk about that. And and char- characters, um, people like on TikTok, Instagram will message me and be, and be very angry 
And I don't think they understand how I'm making the argument. I think they're thinking that I just hate the idea of communism when the, when the in truth is I just don't think we're capable of doing it because we're human. Um, sorry. Th- that's it, though. I'm, uh, I'm, what? Are we going to start? We did. We did? Yeah. Oh, shoot. You think we've been going this whole time without... <laughs> <laughs> I said I'm going to start on Rasputin's penis. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you had no idea, really. No, I thought we were just talking. No, go for it. Keep going. I don't know what else, I don't you know. You know what I just said? No. I was talking about how people argue with oh, yeah, 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 yeah. about how I don't know what I'm talking about and that I I just think communism is stupid. Like, fuck you and they're like, why don't you just say you hate poor people? I'm like, but it's not it's not what I'm saying at all, man. What I'm saying is, bro, if we can figure it out, yeah, let's fucking try it. But I know we shouldn't try it because I don't trust any of you. Anyone. And that's also part of the problem that I don't trust anyone. I'm part of the problem. But can you can you like blame me? For not trusting anybody. If we can't trust and we can't be comfortable with the government we have now and our politics we have now, what makes you think we can trust them and be comfortable with them in communism? Well, no, you, you can't. You yeah. can't. Uh, so that's what upsets me. But um, I'd never say it doesn't work. It's just yeah. I I I'm, I agree with everything you just said. It's yeah. just I hate our current system. I I hate the system of capitalism because of it's based on exploitation mm-hmm. and. We're in, we're in a mixed economy, right? It's not, yeah, okay. Um, it's just crazy to me how how many people have benefited uh, like off exploiting other people. Like, I think the concept of a billionaire is mind blowing to me. There should be no billionaires. Mm-hmm. You can't be a billionaire without exploiting thousands of people. Let me let me ask you a clarifying question. Do you say there shouldn't be any billionaires because it should be so outrageously hard that it just doesn't happen, or that we should take it away from them. I think it should be so outrageously hard that it that it just doesn't happen yeah, because because I, you're yeah. not because you're taking too much money for yourself. Because I I disagree with taking away what somebody's earned, but I do agree with uh, how if we like do something, change the taxes, or we change this, this, or whatever, it would be a lot. It should be a lot harder. Um, but also, I don't know. It's 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 hard for me to have an opinion on that because it's like listen, I don't like Jeff Bezos as far as I know him. But it's like he, aside from I don't I don't know how because some people say he's a he puts a lot of great policies in place. Some people say working at Amazon is horrible. I don't I don't really know. I don't have a good opinion on it, but or a good idea of it. But I do know it's like the only person that um earned that money for coming up with that that idea is him. Now. Should there be laws to pay people more? Sure. Should, uh, better insurance, better mental health insurance? Absolutely. I think people like Jeff Bezos is not a product of his own, whether it be evilness or greed. I think he's a product of what we allow people to be. Like you were kind of just saying how the system should allow it, uh, allow other people to be able to benefit from, you know, working hard and p- putting time into something that's not theirs, but they need to live too. Like, I, you don't understand what I'm saying, where I'm going? Um, Go ahead. I feel like you're gonna say something. No, yeah, I'm. I'm with you on that. Like, I, I don't think I'm not trying to discount anything, any of the effort he put in, because I know it's not easy to make however much money he has. Yes. Now. Yeah. But dog here, my water bottle. Like, just the I don't know. It's just so crazy to me that he's able to live with such excess and have so much extra money that he can't even dream of using, while there are so many people that have to work three or four jobs. Yeah. Just to 
put food on the table for their kids. The other thing, too, is I feel like people don't realize, and sometimes I forget about it, too, is that this thing we got going on, living on this planet, being human, evolving into this, whether whether you believe in uh, creationism or evolution, just this alone, what an anomaly. What the What the hell is going on right now? And I think people, including myself sometimes, think that things should be a certain way or are supposed to be a certain way. But I think we got to take a step back and realize that there's no right way to do something. We're all just making a whole bunch of mistakes and hoping that we can, no, we should we should fix it like this because this poor guy can't eat uh, dinner. Yeah, well, I did all the work. Why should I give him any of my money? Like, you, what about my family? And it's like all this shit's going on and people think there's going to be a good answer because as if we've done this before, but we never have. And when I look at someone like Jeff Bezos, he's not fucking thinking about feeding the poor. Maybe he is, but he's not fucking thinking about feeding the poor. He's thinking about, all right, what planet am I going to live on in a century from now? Like, why wouldn't you? You got billions of dollars. So it's weird because we, we, we're we falling into, like, thinking that this is normal, but it's not. None of it is. We don't know what to do about it. Yeah, it's, everything's random. It's scary. It's just... It's scary. Yeah, it is. How old were you when you realized your parents were their own people? What do you mean by that? Like, okay, I realized my parents had their own emotions and wants and needs in 2008. I was in ShopRite. I think it was 2008. I was in ShopRite, and I wanted a candy bar, so I asked my mom for a candy bar, and she said to me, we got to be careful how we spend our money now. And I fucking snapped. I was like, oh, holy shit. My mother is a human. Like, I get I'm not the only person living right now. I fucking understand this now. Did that ever happen to you, or was that was it really gradual that you don't even realize? I guess it was probably more gradual. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a thing in, like, adolescent development. Yeah. Where, like, you lose that idea of your personal fable. Um, and how, what you were, how old were you at that? I think, I think I was 11. Which yeah, I feel like which is, per- is that right normal? I feel time, like I was pretty yeah. late. No, it's, like, around, I mean, there's no right time to develop. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, mine was probably pretty gradual. Where I slowly realized, like, yeah. oh, shit, like, this yeah. is not all about me, and this isn't, I'm not infallible. It's crazy how money will do that. You yeah. and and my and money is another weird system, right? I was talking about it with with Evan and about how why we used to use gold and why we don't use it now and whether we should or should not keep using it. And um, I remember there's so there's a park that um I would go to when I was in school. It's called the Lair State Park. I don't know if you I don't know if you know about it, but there's this building in that park because it's a it's a historical park. And when I say building, it's like a, a five foot by six foot like brick house and when they would bring us there they would tell us the name of the guy that lived there with his like two daughters and his wife and they were like and he was doing so good for himself this was rich back then and i was thinking to myself my guy this guy lived in like 1810 or like 1750 i don't i'm not too sure i was like why didn't he just like he was so worried about money and buying this Five by six brick house. He forgot that he could build a log cabin. Now, did he have the tools for it? Probably not. But I also think because he had children, he had a wife, he had priorities. But if he was like single back then, I feel like it would have been so much easier to just live off the land. Now, that's not only is that basically not a choice, but we're so involved in trying to prestige and get money that we're we're losing like what it means to be human, and we forget that other people exist too. So it's funny when you bring money back into it, and that other people have money problems. You're like, holy shit, this is rough. Money's so weird, man. And how how it it builds us up up and uh, collapses us at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I yeah. Agree, again, I agree with everything you just said. It's, it's ridiculous, right? Yeah. So okay, 
what history are you primarily trying to go into? Is it just broad, or do you have one kind of thing you're trying to study? Um, I'd say it's more broad. Yeah. Um, I've always had just an interest in like war history, um, and it's just always been super fascinating to me to see the the depth that humans will go, and how how kind of terrible we can be to each other for yeah. yep sometimes reasons that like in World War One like a lot of the soldiers had no idea why they were fighting there. And it's just crazy to me that they were able to just kill each other because some guy with a title said, kill that guy. Yeah. You know? And it's always been super fascinating to me to understand the psychology of it and, and stuff like that. But it's as a, I also want to teach, so I guess it's more generic history as well. Yeah, I mean, like, <clears throat> I think everything you're saying, it is, it is very interesting. Um. That's another thing with money. Another thing with people that are rich and poor in politics or not in politics. It's uh, I actually think it's funny because it was like a scene in like Wonder Woman, how they were like they're just men, they're soldiers, they're meant to die, and Wonder Woman was like, "The hell is going on here? That's not right." Of course, she has to say that she's a she's a superhero. Um, in the grand scheme of things, unfortunately, the humans are right. I mean, like they're soldiers. I'm a maybe I'm like a, a line worker. Maybe they're um, a hairdresser. We're like one little thing in the grand scheme. Okay, we don't honestly we don't really matter that much when it comes to all of humanity. But at an individual level, yeah, it's like what the fuck's going on? So you p- send people out into war, and um, they're just listening because they don't know. They're scared. This has never happened before. What a tank? Th- what what is that big metal box that just rolled over that uh, trench? They didn't have tanks until World War One, right? Like that's scary. And then the, and you're right, yeah. It's that's so fascinating to learn about how these politicians, we gotta, whether it's for good or bad reasons, we gotta accomplish this goal. Just send bodies at it. Oh my gosh, I couldn't imagine. Yeah, it's like it always makes me think of that Stalin quote. Go ahead. Where he says, "One death is tragic." I'm paraphrasing. One death is tragic, but a thousand deaths is a, is a statistic. Yeah. So it's like. To the people that are like the people in the war rooms back in England or something are just sending these eighteen year old boys out to fight because yeah. it's just a statistic to them. Reminds me of the quote from Dark Knight when Joker's like, <clears throat> "If you blow up a truck of uh, army men, no one no one cares. But if a little old man or whatever dies, everyone goes crazy." Because um, it was it that wasn't supposed to happen, but the soldiers were supposed to die. Um, so yes, it is like the whole Stalin thing. Yeah, it's it's, it's uncomfortable. I'm reading a book right now about Project Paperclip. Um, do you know what that is? Is that? Well, I'm, I'm gonna teach you some stuff if you don't. It's with the uh, bring the Nazis yeah. over to America. So fascinating. Um, Up with the Manhattan Project, right? No, so they did the Manhattan Project outside of Project Paperclip because I think. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think any Nazis had anything to do with Project Paper. Uh, I think with they Manhattan. did. I well, think I don't. If they did, it wasn't until like the very Wait, end yeah. of it. Because I, I and I didn't finish the book yet. I don't know everything about it, but I think I'm realizing that whereas the Americans were trying to figure out like atomic weapons, uh, the Nazis were trying to figure out uh, like chemical weapons. Now they had the V1 and the V2 rockets, were they were f- guided missiles in the 40s. If that isn't the craziest thing you've ever heard, like actually do some thinking, like oh my gosh, they yeah. had the reason why the Nazis lost is not because they weren't good at fighting, but because they didn't have the numbers or the money. Their technology was better than every single person they were fighting. Every single country, they they were better than all of them. Um, but they didn't have the numbers, and they didn't have the money. So that's basically why they ended up losing. Um, but I think it, I don't, it was uh, an American general that was saying, 
if they were able to perfect, which they almost were, they were like maybe like 10 months out. If they were like, if, if the war, if we waited a couple more months to attack, uh, you know, the Reich, we probably would have lost or the war would have went very, went very differently because they would have been able to perfect the V2 rocket. It was going to be the, it's the first rocket that could have went from Europe to the United States and like just one flight. So the technology was crazy, but I'm learning so much ab- about this stuff and the Americans were doing a lot of atomic research and the Nazis were doing a lot of chemical research. Um, and I think that's the reason why they chose to use gas against uh, the uh, Jewish victims because they were literally just testing, you know, weapons. Um, I have no idea where we jumped off to get onto this, but it's crazy. I guess it's just learning about wars and stuff. Yeah. Anyway, Project Paperclip is fucking fascinating. Yeah. It's actually, like like you said, it's crazy how far and beyond their technology was oh compared to gosh. everybody else. Like. Germany's a small ass country. Yeah, and they with took, the biggest brains. Yeah, and they took over a large portion of Europe, especially Western Europe. They took it over pretty easily. Yeah, and they were not that far from taking over England, and just if it wasn't for the will of those people, yeah, they were. Yeah, honestly, it's insane to me how much the Germans, how far the Germans were able to go, and just how much power kind of Hitler and that propaganda machine had over that whole region. Do you believe in the conspiracy theory that he didn't die and he went to Argentina? Because a lot of Nazis did go to Argentina. Yeah, Do I don't think he personally made it. I I do think he died. But the other big ones, I, I think Himmler, Himmler for sure made it to Argentina. It's weird because you'll go to Argentina and, like, Argentinian kids would be like, oh, you want to see a picture of my grandpa and all of his stuff? And it's like a Nazi uniform. Yeah. What or like some Argentinian children don't look Argentinian? Like, why do you look like uh like a white boy? It's like because yeah. they're fucking German. It's weird. Yeah, didn't they have like a in like the the jungles of Argentina? Didn't they have like a little Nazi little society? I don't know, but I do think they found a U boat. Like, like, yes. d- like r- basically right when the war ended, I think they did find a U boat. Um. Uh, d- double check me on that, but um, Jamie, get that. Jamie, Jamie, <laughs> pull that up. Pull up the U boat. <laughs> pull up Ross Putin. Uh, <laughs> but um, it stuff is so fascinating to me. Well, going on that Hitler thing, it's 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 a very like reasonable, understandable conspiracy theory because the Russians lied. They said that. So they, did we. Yeah, we yeah. did too. But they said that they had his body, his and Ava Braun. Yeah. And then in the seventies, they did research and. The the two bodies that they had in that museum in Russia were just like two random people that could not have been Hitler or Eva Braun. Oh my god! But dude, Hitler, talk. He was the craziest motherfucker. Oh my ever. gosh! You hear that story? I find it so fucking funny when like Italy wanted to back out of the war. So yeah, so Hitler went over there and he was like. On steroids, on like some like uh, testosterone, and he went there and he just yelled at what? What is it? What's um, yelled for like three hours straight at, at Mussolini? Yeah, Mussolini, and he was like, "All right, all right, we're not leaving, we're staying in." And he just promptly left. Oh my gosh, I, I hate when people say that shit can't happen today anymore. If anything, it's easier now with like the internet for like people to be like overcome by like ideology. I think it's a lot easier. I mean, like, Russia did it in the last election. China's kind of doing it now, in my opinion. We can talk about that later. But um, I think it's actually easier to culturally change a population now than it was back then. Because back then, 
all you had to do to not get culturally uh, brainwashed is to live in the uh, Midwest. You, you, you got your newspaper late. You, your radio, like, almost never worked. You didn't have TV. Now, everyone's got a phone. You know how easily it is to get culturally brainwashed? Very easily, on both sides. So when people say, oh, there could there could never be another Holocaust-type event, I'm like, I don't know about that. Well, they're, they are, they're, they're happening oh, they're, today. They're, they're happening today, absolutely. But when people say it couldn't happen in America... I don't think it could happen in America. Really? I think because... I think it's the same. It's the well, same coin, but a different yeah. side. Go ahead, go ahead. With the advent of social media and all that, everyone has an opinion, and everyone has the ability to to find their own opinion. So yes, you you do see people like crazy people getting into these own, their own echo chambers and yeah. and falling deep into these specific ideologies, whatever it may be. But it's never enough to be able to take over someone else's. I feel like. No, and I do agree with you. I, I misspoke um, because because uh, as of right now, at least because of the freedoms we have, um, I do think like when we talk about like freedoms of speech and stuff, I do think it'd be very hard for it to happen here. But in the event that like you know a lot of more like cancellations happen, like when people say remove that person from the platform because I don't like what they're saying, I get that, I understand that. I don't think you should do it. Um, if anything. I feel like, all right, for Twitter, for instance, I don't think anyone should, instead of removing people from Twitter, um, like uh, like canceling them, I think it'd be better. Is The only way you're allowed to have a Twitter is if you sign up with your United States license. So you're, you could only have a Twitter if your real name's on it. Because I'd rather know who to avoid than not know what they're doing. So I don't like canceling people because that could end up becoming like okay now we only we could only see one kind of view one kind of culture and that's how like a culture war breaks out and then people start getting brainwashed but i do agree it is a lot harder in america very hard like places like china who literally just passed a law so if you're a minor you could only play like video games for like an hour that's so weird right but the way they make sure you could only play for like an hour or so is with facial recognition on your phone and even if you're in your 40s your phone's going to ask you, hey, are you a minor? And it'll scan your face to see how, see how old you are, and then it'll let you keep playing if you're not, and it won't if you are. That stuff scares me. Yeah, that's really scary. And I'd be fucked. I look like I'm like 10 years yeah, old. Yeah, you look like you're 10 <laughs> years old. Um, so, no, I, I do agree with you, though. It would be very, very hard, at least that, the way it is now, for that to happen to America. But it is happening in other places. Yeah. Um, and it's horrible. But that scares me because if it's happening in other places, then we are we are in danger too. Not because of our culture, but because they will then have an impact on the world that we live on. I don't like that. It scares me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I trying to pisses me off, man. It does. Though with the weaker Muslims. Oh my god. Are you kidding me? It's disgusting. And I know the argument is, oh, but Mark, they're like genocides happen all the time. Like you're fucking right. We we also do business with China every second of the day when they're committing atrocities. Like what was it, the Mulan that Disney did? At the in the credits of Mulan, they like thanked the security company that was responsible for like detaining the Muslims. That's weird. That is weird. Why are we doing that? That's gross. It's it, it's it's so fucked. I mean, what's it? The uh, the main Mulan in that movie was a big supporter of of that. I'm pretty sure of what of um the oh, of the well the Chinese police and and how 
Oh, like their oppressive nature. Yeah, you know what? You know what I would say? Um, screw the screw China, but save the Chinese because I don't I don't blame the Chinese people because I don't think they realize like with um Hong Kong they they have been free enough over the last X amount of years to realize what's going on, but people like in the middle of China they don't. How could they? So screw China, but save the Chinese. You know, shit's fucked up. Yeah, it is, and I really don't think something like that could ever happen in America. Mm-hmm. For a few reasons, one, our country's designed to work so slowly when it comes to actually changing. The things. Ask, yeah, yeah. So we could never. <laughs> it would never happen fast enough. Yeah, that we. Ca- hey, wait! What are you doing? Hold on. Yeah. Not easy there. I mean, yeah. Especially now with social media, like back then, obviously it happened with all the races, racism that. I mean, it's still going on today, but. Well, I would, I, I would call. I think there's a difference though between like something like a, a Holocaust event yeah, yeah, than racism because racism is kind of like since this sounds horrible, but it's like it's kind of a part of a culture. It's not really a part of uh uh hey we're tomorrow we're like attacking the country yeah, and changing it right, you're, you're you know right, yeah. um so that's something that can be treated and medicated uh, whereas like something like the Holocaust that you'd have to fight a war over that you know. Yeah. Can't just be like, "Hey guys, please stop." Yeah, yeah. Right. Hey, I, I don't know if this is right, guys. Uh, let's uh, let's take a second and think about this. Yeah, you, you can't do that. What are some crazy I learned? Yes, I do. So you talking about the Holocaust made me think of it. So in Eastern Europe, so people always ask, "How could Hitler convince all these people to be anti-Semitic?" He didn't convince any of them. They were already right. Oh my God. Yeah. In Eastern Europe alone, like in the pretty much like the Eastern Bloc right. countries, that, yeah, that would become Eastern Bloc countries. Over a million people volunteered to work for like the Nazi police that would police the ghettos mm-hmm. and and like help the Gestapo and the SS. Um, or something different. Well, there was like it's something different, but because you had to be a specific type of human being to yeah. be Gestapo or SS, like you'd be like, oh, uh, what is it, Ubermensch? Or no, that's that's what they would call that's Jews. It was a uh, Unter. I don't know. No, like, Ubermensch would be. Is that good or bad? Good, I think good. What was the the Jamie? Pull that up. Jamie, <laughs> come on, come on, just stay on your toes. Yeah, continue though. Um, and over a million people signed up and volunteered to police the Jews within Eastern Europe, and you know how they would have the well, this was early when they would first start um liquefying the ghettos. They would dig big big trenches and just line up all the Jews oh, in the yeah. ghetto and then just shoot them. While the Jews were waiting in line, they would have certain valuables on them. Eastern European people that weren't technically Nazis would just start going through their stuff, like reaching through their pockets, rummaging through their pockets while they were waiting in line because they knew they couldn't do anything back. How disgusting is that? I'll tell you something even worse, okay? Um, I read it in the book. I can't remember the Nazi professor's name, but he said to the uh, Nazis, he's like, hey, um, I'm a professor, I got a school, and we need a collection of skeletons. So they killed a whole bunch of healthy Jews. So we had a collection of skeletons for the fucking school. That blows my mind. Blows my mind. That is fucking crazy. I I believe it happened, though. Hell yeah. Like, all this stuff. I can believe it happened. Like you just said, they were already anti-Semitic. Already. It didn't take much. And that's why I get afraid that it could happen almost anywhere. Because, okay, I can understand why a young teenager in Germany in like the 30s would become a Nazi because and tell me if I'm wrong 
not much was going on to be proud about in that region of the world, right? They had nothing to stand up for. They Okay, there's this quote from Fight Club where it goes, I see here in Fight Club the greatest men that ever lived. Um, he talks about how... Um, like God damn it, a whole bunch, a whole generation pumping gas, waiting ta- tables, uh, white collar, uh, white collar workers, slaves to whatever. And they said we don't have a great war, we don't have a great depression. Our great war is um, whatever. Our great depression is our lives. Like it's about like we don't have anything. You take a teenager who doesn't know what he's gonna do for the rest of his life, and his family's sad, he's sad, everyone's depressed, and this fucking guy is like, hey, I'm gonna fix fucking everything. Put this uniform on. I'm going to give you a car. I'm going to give you a house. Your family's going to have money. You're going to have food to eat. And you're going to get rewards all the time. You're going to be proud of something. I'm going to save you. No shit he's going to say yes. No shit. And on top of it, you already hated Jewish people. Yeah. So it's like, are you kidding me? Like, it makes so much sense. So when I look at people now in a lot of countries that hate their fucking lives... It's, I don't think it would take much for someone to be like, yo, I could fix this. Let's start a war. Because a war is a moneymaker. War is a moneymaker. So that's why I'm very convinced that it's very easy to basically take over a country. And a lot of people forget that the first country the Nazis attacked was their own. I mean, like, th- that's what's going to happen somewhere. They, they burned you know? down the... Um, it was the night of broken glass, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the crystal knock was yeah. absurd. They destroyed pretty much every synagogue within the country. <sighs> Crazy. Um, yeah, that whole sh- and it's so funny, to, not funny to me, but funny like I ironically, ironically, yeah. how people, like, I guess Americans, because I I live in America, so I only hear it from Americans, are like, I can't believe they would do that. Like, how could anybody like, round up just a group of people just based on that? And I'm like, well, let's look at ourselves for a bit. <laughs> yeah, who really got the u- all the eugenic stuff started? Who did the Nazis learn from with the eugenics? American. Why is that? Because I don't know about that. So I, I don't know why they, I guess we're really good at it. It's a strong argument. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because like, I mean, the United States has been testing, doing terrible things to the black population in our country and the disabled population in our country for. I don't, I understand where you're going. I don't think though they. I think humans are just like that naturally, and also Hitler had a plan. Like he knew what he wanted, um, and he knew, and, and he, he uh, all the mean, all every means was for a an end that he wanted it. He his plan was that the Reich would rule for a thousand years, right? Um, I understand ex- exactly what you're saying, but I think that's a uh, correlation, not causation, because it's happened so many times. Like testing on on human beings, whether it be in the 1600s. Or 1940, like that all happened. Um, I think it's just coincidental. Um, but I, I do know what you're saying. But when you say like to people, what do you mean, look at us? We did the same thing. Yeah, you're right. We did. We did. Yeah, yeah. we did. So bad. Um, also, I, we wouldn't let Jews seek asylum in America in the 40s. Yeah, didn't we also like uh, imprison Japanese people? Yeah, we I don't did. know much about that. Internment camps. Well, I I know it happened, but I don't know anything about them. I only know certain things. Like I, I learned about it in one of my religion classes in school, where they wouldn't let them practice their their own religion in the internment camps. Really, it's weird. Which goes against you know religious freedom, which is yeah a big thing in America. There's probably more than one religion amongst those people too, so that's kind of weird. Yeah, and Christianity is a thing 
and was a thing in Japan at that time. Mm-hmm. Well, in America, these were Americans. These were American citizens that they were. Yeah, fucking weird, right? So you have a, you, they have a social security number. And, well, did that? When did social security come? Like twenties. Oh yeah, so they have a social security number and everything. Like yeah. you were literally born yeah. here. Whatever. They're like, are you Japanese by any chance? Yeah, it's like. <laughs> They're like, yeah, I think my grandpa was. I'm pretty sure. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, my left pinky is a little Japanese. It's like get him. Um, All right, come with us. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we got. We'll show you some. So stupid. Want to go to a summer camp? Want to go <laughs> to a summer camp for Ever. six years or whatever? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I know about it. I've never learned much about that, though. Um, but everything drives me crazy about this because I think they say that right now, at least in American history, we're more divided than we've been in the last like, 30, 40 years. I think the last time was during the Cold War. We were this divided. But now it's even worse because of things like social media and stuff because you could look at one thing and so many people have so many different opinions. Like one video can have thousands of opinions. Um, so we're more divided now than we ever were. And I think one of the one of the things that you said was a good thing I think is also a bad thing. It's, you know, our saving grace and it's something that can end up hurting us is that and this is going to sound so bad because I think, I believe, and I want everyone to have a voice. But I also think that's also what makes things really hard. I think in the long run, it'll always be the best best way to go. But because everyone has a voice and everyone is able to say something, that's why we're all, like, so conflicted. Because we don't know what to believe, we don't know who to listen to, and we end up just arguing. And then someone, like, whether, and I don't want to name names because it's on both sides, but, like, any any political theory comes around and they're like, this is what we're going to do. It's like, and this is how I feel. I agree with you. They're like, fucking thank God somebody in power thinks what I think. Let's go at it. Whether that be um, on the right or the left. Because in the last eight years, it's happened on both sides. Um, And that's why it scares me. Because you see the history. And you're like, fuck, man. I mean, like, it's it's almost really possible. But then I do agree with what you're saying. Where it's like, there's too many of us with freedom to just let it happen to that extent at least. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, we're in like it's. I'm a, like I'm a big history guy, but we're in unprecedented times. Yeah, there's never been a time where so many people can contribute to one topic, and there's yeah. never been a time where you have so much access. If you want to find something out, and if if you have the time to look for it, you're gonna find it out with pretty much anything, and that's a great tool, but it's also super dangerous. And yes. kind of like you were saying. It's kind of like, technology is like, it's so amazing how it evolves so quickly, but also it's like, we're kind of stagnating, I feel like, as a society with, we're not going to, I feel like we can't change as much, like you were saying, because yeah, each side is going to keep pulling on the other one. Yeah. Well, that's why this, I don't think... I'll spend the next 10 years without seeing Americans go to, like, a big war. Like, if World War Three happens in the next 10 years, I won't be surprised. I really won't. I'm on the opposite side. Well, I'm a, I'm not going to really tell you why I think that, but I'm going to continue with something real quick because I'm going to—I'm interested in, in why you, you think not. But because you're what you're saying, like, we're just there's just this polling, and everyone wants a piece of the world, whether that be from other countries or within this country alone— Eventually, something's going to snap. Something's going to break. Um, and whether that be a war, like it results in war, or just a huge event, like like a mass shooting or um, a, a presidential assassination or something, something is going to happen. 
and then either it's going to get worse for like a few years and then it gets fixed or it's going to that's going to happen we're going to realize holy shit <clears throat> I can't believe we let this happen and it's going to get fixed immediately but I do think something huge is going to happen and when it does I won't be surprised because of what you just said that it's polling like there's two sides three sides four sides eight sides and they all want a piece and eventually it's going to snap but why don't you think a war would happen I don't think especially Americans are going to let a war happen let a war happen well we're not going to go to war. There's not going to be World War Three, I don't think, until we're both dead. Really? Least. Yeah, because especially after the Vietnam War, the last thing a lot of Americans want, I think the majority of Americans at this point want, is to go to war again because we know how... I mean, we've been to war since Vietnam, obviously. Yeah, but, we've been in war for like the last 21 but, years. But <clears throat> a war to the extent of the Second World War because... Everyone has a voice now to say, to, to protest against the war and to, to what I say all the bad things about war. And we all know how awful it is. And I just don't think anybody in their right mind, and I know a lot of people are not in their right mind, anyone in their right mind would want to go to war. Yeah. Especially when we know and we've seen at least twice with the first two world wars how damaging it is. Yeah. And, how, and I, just, I just can't foresee it happening. To that extending. Obviously, I think we could go to war with a specific country, but I can't imagine a third world war. But what, what, did, what did we just say before, right? How when it comes to war, it's the, the soldiers don't even know what the fuck's going on. It's the people that don't have to go into battle that make the choices. And it might not even be us making the choice. I mean, like, we didn't want to go into World War II. We ended up going in because of Pearl Harbor, you know? Um, like, we... Uh, the citizens did not want to get involved. I think uh, was it Roosevelt? Probably, yeah, he he wanted to get involved. I'm pretty sure, but the citizens were like, no, no, no. Uh, we just no, no, no. But then they we got attacked, and we're like, all right, looks like we're gonna win it. Um, not that that's how confident we were, but that's what happened. I feel like something's gonna happen. I don't think it's gonna be us that incites it, and I won't be surprised when it happens. Because you're saying, yeah, nobody wants to go to war. At least we don't, because we we have what we need. We got our own problems. With other countries, and I'm not afraid to say it. I fucking think it's fucking China. They're not only are they taking back countries that weren't there. There's like Taiwan. They're doing now. Um, they want they want to take, and I don't think we're gonna incite it, but I think we're gonna have to get involved because if we don't, it's gonna come to our doorstep. I all I'm saying is I wouldn't be surprised. I also think another reason why we won't have a third world war Go is ahead. the nuclear option. Yeah, that's fr- that's freaky, right? Yep. You know what they have now? They could have like a. They send a rocket up into space, then it like collapses and shoots a whole bunch of mini nukes, like and it peppers an entire like coastline with nukes, like ridiculous. They also have um, I don't know what it's called, but they send it, they send an entire like uh, Amanda, what's that metal that's really heavy? Tungsten. She's a welder, so I asked her. Tungsten. Um, you can send send a tungsten rod up into space. That's really long. It's like a cylinder, and drop it, and it's like. Just as or more explosive than, than a nuke, but no radiation. Oh shit! Yeah, no radiation. So, so the in, all the land is still usable. Sure, it's like rubble now, but you don't have to wait decades for the radiation to go away or clean it. You can just use it, and that's possible. We could do that. So it's like, yeah, even more than nukes, we have that. Um, and yeah, then we, but go ahead. What? Now that we have nukes, no one trusts each other. Yeah, no one trusts each other. No one trusts each other. So. And that's why, I, when it comes to World War III, will it be boots on the ground? I don't know. Probably not. 
But I think it will be cultural. I think it will be online. I think it's going to have to do with, um, you know, voting booths. Like, we're, like, who are we voting for this year? Like, I think eventually the culture is going to change. And it's going to be a very silent, cold World War Three that we didn't even... It's about the time it's over, we're not even going to realize that happened. I, th- I think that we could be in it right now. Probably I, are. I could see that then. I think that's probably what's going to be the case. Yeah, I was imagining, like, boots on the ground. I can't see it. If it, if it did happen, though, let's say we did go to War with China. Would you volunteer or would you not? Hell no. I fucking would. Mark, you're insane. Why? Actually, I'm actually very curious as to why before I, before okay. I just call you insane. First of all, I am uh, an, an American guy who has a very blessed life and has um, parents that love him, a girlfriend that loves him, friends that are amazing to him. I have no reason to complain. However, because I'm human, I will, unfortunately, everyone does this. It will, and it's actually one of the, um, it's, it's a very, very Buddhist of you to like try to find uh, ways to get inner peace with yourself. And the only reason you have to do that is because your body finds a way to keep struggling. You know, why do you hate yourself? Why do you hate your life? Why are you doing this, this, or that? I very often find that like I don't have purpose, right? I'm always trying to figure it out. Is that an excuse to go to war? No. But I also see with the Uyghur Muslims, and I imagine would I want someone to come save me? Probably. Will I be able to save a Muslim? Probably not. I would probably die as soon as I got there. But to know that I died so the person behind me didn't and they could save a Muslim, I'd be okay with that. And it would also give me purpose. I I think I I would... I also think, like, not to sound pompous or arrogant, I think I'd do a pretty good job. At I think you would, too. I, <laughs> I, I th- I'd do it. I'd volunteer. If they didn't draft me, I'd volunteer. Because I don't think they can because of my medical problems. So I'd volunteer electively. Yeah, that's why. You know, I, I used to think similarly to that. Yeah. And when I actually was a kid, I part of me it was always like, Maybe I want to join the military and enlist. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason I don't want to, I would never do it. Yeah. It's it's pretty egocentric, and I have no shame about it. It's fine. Um, so I think we've talked about this before, this yeah. one Shakespeare passage in Henry IV where Falstaff, an, a hugely selfish character. Um, I think we did, yeah. Yeah, talks about <coughs> war and Excuse honor me. and... How it has no point. He says, honor who hath it, he who died on Wednesday. Meaning, yeah, sure, your name gets honor, but you don't get to experience it because you're dead. You're dead, yeah. Yeah, so when you get to say, when you say something like, I would like to know that I died so the guy behind me can keep going or the person, the, the Muslim that is. I know where you're going with this. Is, will, will be free. It's like. You don't, you, don't. you don't know. You won't know. You won't know. <clears throat> yes. I'm fighting in the event that I survive afterwards. Because if I don't survive, or sorry, if I don't fight and we lose, my fate's not much different. If I do fight and we win and I still survive, it's going to be fucking awesome. I, I'm, Will it, though? I think so. Think, think, okay, this is a stupid example, but think about the end of Lord of the Rings. I fucking just finished that book, too. Think about it. Think about how... Okay, that's different. I can tell you why. I just fucking read it. Okay, <clears throat> you can. After I'm done explaining it, you can choose a different analogy because you chose an awful analogy. Sorry. The point of that book, um, or at least the ending, the reason why 
Tolkien wouldn't fin- wouldn't write books after that is like, no, it's just going to be sad. The reason why it's sad is because all the magical beings are dying. Okay, they're dying off. They're going extinct because there's nothing to keep them alive anymore, right? <clears throat> that has nothing to do with humans at all. And I, you're also like, yeah, but okay, war is over, but now, like, all of our comrades are dead. Like, at what cost? Yeah, sure, but now the whole, at the end of the book, the entire thing is about we get to rebuild. Holy shit, you don't have a road to this entire city of 500 people? You got a new king. We're building you a road. So I don't think it's a good example, but I know where you were going. Yeah, I'll give a different example. Go ahead. I mean, just think about the end of World War One, um, where we finally started to discover a little bit the effect of, of war on just your psyche and how. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you came home, you were not the same person that you were when you were. And I'm not saying change is a bad thing. Change is great. But this kind of change I don't think is good at all. It's It's so psychologically and emotionally damaging. And a lot of the times it's irreparable. Yeah. Yes. And so, like you said, at what cost? Okay, but I know I know this whole, this part of the conversation started because you were trying to look at it. But Mark, as an individual, I wouldn't. I want you to take the individual individuality out of it. Okay. Would you rather Communist. Would you rather lose the war or win the war? Win the war. Obviously. Okay. Win the okay. War. Win the war. If I think for just a second that me doing something about it will help them win the war at like a zero point mil- like zero 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 point one whatever percent, I'm gonna fucking do it because I'd rather <clears throat> die no die trying than die on my knees. You know what I'm saying? Because in the event a World War Three happened with China, I'm not gonna live a good life if they win. Not no American is. So, yeah, I'm going to try to make sure it doesn't happen at all. You ever seen the movie Red Dawn? Yeah. Holy shit. Coolest movie ever. At least the original. The the remake was cool, but no, the original. Holy shit. I'm not going to wait for at the in the movie it's, uh Cuba and Russia. I'm not going to wait for Cubans or Russians to be, to give me a job with a a ticket that I have to get scanned at every single doorway I walk through. Of course I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to become a teacher and share and spread their ideology and their philosophy. <clears throat> no way am I going to do that. But am I going to go to war and try to make sure that they don't do that? And if I have kids that they don't have to live with that or my, you know, my sister's children or my grandchildren. No, of course I'm going to fight. And now as an individual, it's a stupid idea. That's a stupid idea. If I'm going to think about myself, I'm like, okay, let's say this war is probably going to go on for maybe like another 10, 20 years. I'd like to live in the woods and not get bothered by that because that's what they did um, in World War II, <clears throat> although they did get bothered. You ever see the movie, um, Amanda, help me out again, uh, movie about the Jewish brothers that survived in the woods? Remember? You always recommend it. Yeah, the three brothers, they were Jewish. They survived in the woods during... Uh, World War II, and they saved a whole bunch of other Jews. Whatever. It's a great movie. Holy shit. I think it starts with a D. Um, but I, Defiance. Defiance. So good. That It was a true story. These group of brothers, World War II happened. They escaped with whatever weapons they had, went into the woods, started building, like, cabins, t- tunnels, and they saved a whole bunch of other Jews, and they lived in the woods. The amount of people that they saved, and th- they did, like, the math. I don't know what it is, but it got to, like, the like six-figure, maybe maybe seven-figure mark of how many children they ended up having. So how many humans they ended up saving by just 
protecting themselves, right? They ended up doing kind of like a Red Dawn thing where they would like fight back, but their main priority was just running away, staying, running away, staying, while also saving other people along the way. That's also an option too, but I'd rather, you know, run forward than back. Yeah, I guess, I mean, I understand that perspective, and yeah, I don't know. I also feel like it's not my right to decide. Like, if I'm, let's say I'm fighting, yeah. I don't think it's my right to be able to say, like, I'm going to kill you so I don't die. I don't think that's my right. I don't think any soldier actually wants to kill their opponent. No, I, I know that. Yes. No, I'm agreeing with you. I yeah. know you, what I'm about to say I know is your opinion. Um, I'm repeating it out loud just so people could hear it. I don't think any soldier wants to kill the person they're fighting because of ideology. I think they just want to kill them because they want to survive. And they got put in that situation because it's war. If even during the Cold War, if like me and like a, a Russian were hanging out, we'd have a great time. We're just humans, right? Let's oh, let's go do some shit. Let's go blow up something. Let's have fun, right? Yeah, I mean that happened in World War One all the time. Yeah, so I think it's like, like we said before that the rich guys, the politicians, the higher ups, they have this agenda, right? But I also know, listen, this Chinese man, he doesn't. He normal every day. He probably wouldn't want to kill me. But right now he does, and I'm sentient enough to know that we both don't want to kill each other, but I also know if I don't kill him, he will kill me. And if I did nothing, and I like, stayed home and I didn't go to war, if he ended up surviving, you know he's going to come find me. You know what I'm saying? And I don't mean him specifically. Oh, yeah, I know what you mean. Listen, any way you look at it, war is horrible. Horrible. Um, and And you wish that people could just be happy with, you know, because we could all... We, there's enough, there's abundance on this planet, and we could figure it out, but we choose not to because what? We're greedy, right? There's no benevolence. Why communism doesn't work? Um, I, so knowing that, knowing that humans are fallible, I'm, I'm going to do what I can to protect mine and myself. Um, but I do understand not wanting to or finding a reason why that wouldn't make sense. Yeah. Comment down below what you would do. Yeah, comment down below what you would. You know, Steven's gonna comment. Like, well, that uh, that Mark guy sounds like it's. <laughs> yeah, 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 but um, yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, there's no good answer. Like, it's there's no right answer, obviously. And that's even if it would happen. Like, I don't yeah. think it'd be a boots on the ground. But in the event that it is, um, Mark Trubino's the first one out there. Listen, if I had like, if I had like a business, if I had okay, if this podcast became successful, like if I actually had something, would I leave it? No, but would I donate and invest as much as I can into the war to make sure that like I'm helping people out? Yeah, like I'm like one of the reasons why I said I go to war is because I don't really have anything for me, for myself right now, so I'd be okay because I'm not leaving anything. But if I had some, okay, you know what I mean. If I had something to leave, I probably wouldn't want to go. But also, someone like Amanda, right? I I'd go to war because. I'd have I'd be thinking about her. I'd be thinking about people that I got to protect. But if I had something like that's mine, that just mine, like a business or the or a podcast or like an, an estate where like I'm I own a school for like special needs uh, individuals, whatever it is. No, I wouldn't want to leave because I got I got shit to take care of, and I'll do what I can with my wallet. But I don't have that, so I, yeah, I'd probably volunteer. Um, sucks with the whole Vietnam thing where they send all the the poor kids to. Fight the war, and they were. You ever see uh platoon? That the one with Mel Gibson. Go a little bit closer to the mic. That the one with Mel Gibson. I don't know there were a lot of famous people in that one. I have no idea. No, I don't think Mel Gibson was in that. But it was um, who's the guy in Two and a Half Men? 
Um, Jack Nicholson. I'm Jack curious. Nicholson. Two and a half Jack. men. Oh, two and a half men. Sorry, Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen is All in right, it. I was thinking a few good men. I was thinking war movies. <laughs> <laughs> Jack <laughs> Nicholson. Because I just watched that movie too. No, yeah, Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen's in it. Um, Willem Will Will Dafoe's in it. Willem Dafoe's in it. I have seen that movie. Yeah. Where they talk about how? Oh, oh what a coincidence! Uh, the main character, his like parents, like were rich or whatever, or like he his college was paid for, and he volunteered because he felt like it was his duty. And all the other guys that were there, they were all like eighteen years old, made fun of him because they were all poor. They didn't have anything. Like I can't believe this rich kid. Um, like came here to save us or whatever, like whatever. And um, but I understand that feeling where it's like, I've I've got nothing, even though I've got the world, which is kind of what I'm saying. I'm, I'm very blessed, but I don't feel like I have a purpose, so I would go. But a great movie, you should watch if you haven't. It's also a book. Um, I don't know. I can't believe I said Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson. That's I can't. Bad. I can't picture it. Jack Nicholson ever being serious ever. Watch a few good men. All right, watch it. And you'll see it. Oh, my God. It's such a good movie. So I want to stray away a little bit because there's something I wanted to talk to you about, which we haven't hit yet. Um, writing. And do you, I know you're going to School of History and stuff, but and I know we spoke about this before. And I asked you, like, oh, is like something is writing something you'd like want or pursue? And I think you said no, but it's something that I I want to do because I have a story to tell. Right. When. Did you always feel that way? Like when you're younger, or do you just you just it just hit you? Like you know, I got a story. Let's let's do it. Um, I've always loved to write. Yeah, and you write historically, right? Like you add history into yeah. your stories, right? Yeah, I I I always wrote poetry, not always, but I wrote poetry a lot when I was younger, with a historical background to it. Okay. Um, but yeah, I I would just woke kind of woke up one day and I was like, this is kind of the story. It's a good story. I want to tell. Good. Um. Yeah, it kind of just hit me. It usually happens. That's usually yeah. how it happens. Yeah, and and there was nothing else than other than yourself that gave you the inspiration, right? Um, like to to write it, or like besides, like it takes place in World War Two, right? Yeah, it takes place in World War Two, and the the Shakespeare quote I talked about earlier gave me some inspiration. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. You know, it reminds me. Your story reminds me a lot of what something like Hemingway would write. Yeah, you know what's crazy? I was like, I'm taking an English class over the summer. And I was yeah. reading Hemingway, and I was like, I want to write like him. Dude, I know the story is very personal, and it's kind of, it might be awkward to say publicly, but do you want to explain what it's about? Or do um, you want to keep it to yourself? I I don't mind sharing it, but will anyone steal it? No, no <laughs> one's gonna. I mean, like, I do understand that though. I do understand that. Um, I don't think so. I mean, it, it's not like a a, a unique concept. Here's I think. the thing: stories like yours already exist. Yeah, exactly. The difference is how you write it, why you write it, and the messages that you put into it. So yeah. I, I think you're you're fine. Um, and you're just gonna give a a, a quick ex- explanation. Also, remember, like our fucking family watches this, so they'd probably be pretty interested yeah. in it. Hey, family, for watching. <laughs> um, yeah. So basically, my the book that I want to write is an a loose homage to my grandfather, um, or our grandfather, who and mine too, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Funny how that works. Yeah. Um, who fought in the war? Um, he fought in the Pacific Theater. I'm taking a bit of poetic license and, and writing in the European Theater, and it's basically, um, because our grandpa is also a poet. For yeah. Those that don't know, and it's it's basically about this man Paul, who is a poet and has such a a fervor for life, 
trying to finally tell that story that's gonna be his story that that he's known for and he he sees the war as his his chance to to tell that story to write that thing that can actually impact people magnus opum yeah Magnum opus. Magnum, whatever. What did I say? Magnus opum. Is <laughs> <laughs> magnum opus. Ma- magnum opus. Magnum. And it's basically it, it shows the the effect of the war on on his his fervor for life and yeah, it's like basically it's kind of like well, give it give us the beats. Give us the what is what's his action? What is his motivation? What what gets him to do this? Because uh, bring in. Uh, Everything that because I don't want to say it for you. What's what's his action? What is he doing? Well, he's 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 fighting in the war, and and his he has two goals. His for his first goal obviously is to help all the people that need help in Europe because he's you know a loving guy and loves people. His second goal is to be able to tell a story that he thinks he can tell better than other people about the fight that he's fighting. What's your story? You can't. No, um, his story is basically just he wants to tell the story of courage and struggle and and triumph of and bring in uh Genevieve. Oh yeah. Well, so as the story goes on, it's a bit of a spoiler alert here. Um, but the book's not. You probably never read the book. Um, I uh, I'd imagine. Uh, uh, I will. I know that. Yeah, you will maybe. Um, maybe. Ba- so I'll he tell comes you home, he comes home from war. Because, you know, the war does end at a certain point. He comes home. And, you know, like a lot of people, they didn't, they don't come home the same person as, as when they left. And he's kind of lost. And that, that mission he had when he first left has kind of dissipated um, until he meets Genevieve, who kind of brings him out of it and, and helps him to find his way again. And, and for those of you that don't know, Genevieve is the name of, our grandmother, um, and his his wife. So, how much of this do you have planned out? I'd say there's like a a, a well because here's the thing I'm I'm basing it off real events, basing yes. it on real events, yeah. off basing it on real events. So, from that perspective, it's pretty planned out because I I know where he's going to go in the war. It's just I'm missing certain specific plot deals, details and things I want to hit. But when it comes to like the overall structure of the story, I have it. I have a good idea of what I want. It's just kind of putting pen to paper at it's, this point. Um, I think it's uh, very difficult to take something real and trying to you know make it into a story that's also kind of fictional um, because you're judging yourself the entire time. You're judging how realistic it is, and you're, then you're judging whether or not it's fictional enough to be fun to read at least, I think you should let go of trying really hard to make it realistic because it should be realistic, sure, but let go of that so you can tell the story that's like in your heart because I feel like if you try so hard to make sure whether it's like the dates line up or like, no, but, but Grandpa didn't do that, but no, no, no. He, whatever his hands may or may not have done during the war, what do you think his brain was thinking? Yeah, And the- put him in that, like, you know how like he, he he's an engineer, right? Maybe for your story, he's not an engineer. That's okay. Because it's not about what, he, what, what his job was. It's about who he was. I think that's, I think that's an inc- incredible story. Yeah. I, I, if, when you read it, you'll be like, there's one glaring thing that's just <laughs> not true at all. Okay. Yeah, um, I'm excited. I, I'm just like, I'm keeping it in there. But just because like, I find, so 
So you know how the Marines were not at D-Day? Mm-hmm. It was just, it was GIs. He's a Marine in the book because Grandpa was a Marine. He was a Marine, yeah. No, he is a Marine because Marines don't die. Marines don't die. Yeah, he's somewhere out <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's somewhere there, yeah. out there. Um, And I'm keeping that in there because I know it's just, it's very important to me that that that, that is maintained. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, I remember a story that my father used to tell me about Grandpa and that, and I don't, I'm going to, I'm going to screw this all up, but apparently like when he was like in, he was like in some mountains, like hiking to like their next location, whatever. And his fellow Marines, whether it was due to stress or just whatever it was, they were really shitty to the uh, indigenous people. And like grandpa watched like one of his uh, comrades, like pick on beat and like push around some indigenous person. So grandpa, the like, I think the second best, because he, like, lost one fight, like, the second best boxer of the entire Marine Corps, fucking murdered, not murdered, literally, but murdered him, yeah. his fucking comrade because he was being an asshole, and he ended up, like, going to jail for, like, what, like, a week or something? That that know. was Grandpa, though. Yeah. Even up until, like, he was near, like, near I think the, that's so cool. Th- when he came home, like, near, like, when he was, like, his 70s, that my mom told me this story where he was with my mom going to Nicola's Bakery, uh-huh. I think, and... My mom was driving, and some guy took her spot, and he was so mad that the guy <laughs> took her spot, and it was some ripped-ass dude, and Grandpa uh, was, you know, five, six, 130 pounds, but, you know, yeah. he, was, he, was, he was a strong guy. He was a strong he, guy. He got out the car and was ready to fight that guy <laughs> for oh, my mom. Oh, man, what a... And that, God. Like, that's him. Like, he just, he just stood up for what was right. Always. I don't want to be, like, get, we- like, sappy, but I really wish I would have actually met him, you know? Same. And, like, he held me. When I was like not even one years old, um, and I know like you even have less of experience with him than that. I wasn't alive. I was, you weren't I even alive. Um, but uh, I always hear whenever people talk about it, every story they tell about him, it's always a little different. I wouldn't have expected that of him, of a man I'd never met before. But I think it's um, you have such a plethora of like people to grab information yep. f- uh, from uh, about him that I think um, here, here's here's what's gonna happen if you don't already. You're going to feel really pressured because telling people you're doing this and then attempting it, whether or not you finish, is is, is a lot of pressure. I don't think you should feel that way because, like I just said, you should make it yours, not anybody else's. And regardless of what actually happened, tell the story you want to tell because this human being, the one that you've never met before and the one that you have met before, makes you feel a certain way. And their stories, whether hyped up or, you know, changed a little bit makes you think a certain way and feel a certain way. I think you just being your own writer, not being somebody else's, I think you're going to be able to write an amazing story. I've noticed in my experience in like art and mostly it's writing and like filmmaking, people do their worst when they listen to other people and they do their best when they just listen to themselves um, I know I'm a victim and an offender of both of those things. So I sure grab information from the entire family, grab it from history books, um, and but at the end of the day, write your story because I think you can do a really good job. Um, no, of course, yeah, yeah, of course. You know what I mean, though. I mean, like, yeah. you ever ha- that ever happened to you where you listen to somebody and then you, in hindsight, you're like, man, if I just like did it how I wanted to do it, I would have done a lot better. Yeah, and that's kind of my mentality with this book. Obviously, I do want, like you said, to get information from yeah. family just so I get a better understanding of who Grandpa was. Um, 
But a lot of it is I it's it's my book and it's it's my story, like you said, yeah, that I want to tell. Exactly. And yeah, I mean I, I love writing it. Um now do you do you, I know I asked you this before, do you plan it and then write it or are you just writing it? I just write it. That's so hard to do. And I think I praised you for that's it. That's how I live my that. life. That's I, there's words for there's um I think there's a planter and an architect. I think that's what it's called. I'm probably so wrong, but I'll explain it. I'll explain it correctly. The words might be wrong. An architect is someone who, who does what you do, and you just write. No, no, architect is something that someone that I do. A planter is someone that you do. You you just write the story. An architect builds the story and then writes the story. Being a planter is like Stephen King, one of the, arguably the best one of the best of our time, like fiction writers. He's a he's a planter. He's not an architect. He just fucking writes. That is so hard to do. So hard to do. And if you can do it successfully, you're going to have to finish it and rewrite it a few times. Oh, yeah. But if you can do that successfully, you, like, almost won the game in writing. I mean, like, at least when it comes to, like, technical stuff, not really, like, um, writing a story stuff. But, like, you've—there's two hard parts of writing. It's the rate of change of a character, how you can change a character's opinion or— what the person's like from the beginning to what they are at the end, if you can do that rate of change so it's so smooth, that's so fucking hard. And the other hardest part is writing it. If you could do it the way you're doing it, you fucking won, man. That's fucking awesome. I don't know. It's, that's why I write everything, though, like when I have like essays in school. Well, essays, think, fuck yeah. Essays, yeah. you do that. Everything, yeah. I don't know. I, just, I feel like when I plan it, I feel like I get too caught up in the plan and I, and I try and get too cute with it and I think too much about it. But when I just kind of freeform, it gets to. It always gets to where I want it to get to. Well, how long do you think you'd want this to be? How many? How many pages? Um, I don't really have a goal in mind. I, when I first started writing, I was like, I want it to be at least two hundred pages. But now that I'm writing it, I kind I like the short story aspect of it. Where yeah, I think you'd be able to be a planter if you wrote a short story. But if you wrote like a five hundred page book, it'd be a little harder. Yeah, I I I, I don't want it to be that long. Yeah. Um, you. This is this is random. Do you do you model your writing off of like one of your favorite authors? No, no, you just do your. Which own is thing. actually not normal. It's, it's usually more normal to model it off of somebody that you admire or someone that you read a lot of. Um, I don't think I do. I might organically model off of Stephen King's. I've read him the, out of all the fiction books. It's he he's the one I've read the most of. But I don't. If if I do, I don't try to. Um, but it is normal to do that. It is. Yeah. Because um, one thing I don't like about Stephen King, which I have a huge gripe with him, which most readers of his books do, is that he will take chapters or at least pages upon pages, like like eighty pages, to explain one plot point, and it's like, bro, man, I I lost three days of my life to figure out that he liked the color green. Are you kidding me? Um, that actually happened, not the green part, but in it, Stephen King's it, I think it was fifty or eighty pages about this character's grandfather's backstory just so I could learn that, oh, he saw he saw uh, the It monster. Thanks, man. It's too much. It's too much. That's way too much. Um, And that's, so that's something I wouldn't want to take from Stephen King. But I do think some of the things I take from him is um, being very vulgar, like about how I explain the way things look. But why do you ask? Oh, because, I mean, it was kind of a selfish question, but I, I model like this book. I model, I'm trying to, not trying to, I just model myself off of kind of F. Scott Fitzgerald. Really? Yeah, and I know it's a hot topic because F. Scott Fitzgerald was not the best person, and he stole a lot of his work from other people. Well, he, his stories are short, too. Yeah. Because uh, Great Gatsby is 
40,000 words or 42,000, and it's the, the considered the greatest American novel. And it's outrageously short. Yeah. Uh, com- compared, like, relatively speaking. Um, so if you're already a short storyteller um, and you like him, I, it makes, that's, uh, it connects. Yeah. I get that. I just, I like just the, his, the, his amazing use of imagery and, and how creative he is with, with, Using adjectives and alliteration and, and things like that, and you I should. Uh, there's a book I want to. I want you. To it's read. like reading poetry, honestly, which is what I like to write. So it's like a big long poem. Man, do me a huge favor. You see the book that's underneath the red one? Can you grab? Can you grab that and the red one? You're amazing. Thank you so much. Um, there's this book, which like almost every single writer, um like, read or recommends to people to read. God, yeah, but Come on. <laughs> God. You're fired. Uh, this. Get Jamie back in here. Get Jamie back in here. Yeah. This is such a good book, and I think you should read it. Um, I uh, I don't know how comfortable I am with you reading my notes because I think those are kind of like – I When I write notes, I don't care what I'm spelling correctly because I'm the one reading it. So, I don't I don't. So, so good luck. Off. But this – it's an amazing book. It's uh, John uh, Truby, The Anatomy of Story. And just look, 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 through, look through the table of contents, you know? That is so f- fucking good. And I actually, while I was writing my story, I read the book while I wrote it. But then at the last, like, chapter, last two chapters, I stopped reading. Because the last, like, the second to last chapter told me, oh, you should also do this. And I was like, you know, that's a really good idea. I'm going to put the book down, finish what it told me to uh, do, and then I'll go back to it. Um... You sh- you gotta read that. Take a picture of it. Um, and then this is the Operation Paperclip book, though. Um, oh, yeah. Just because I want to show it to you anyway. But uh, I'm like on chapter thirteen, I think. But a dollar. Oh yeah, all my all my bookmarks are dollars, except for Lord of the Rings. That's a euro because he's European. <laughs> yeah, it is. I'm I'm serious. Yeah. So um, cultured. So cultured. <laughs> yeah, I don't do that for anybody else. Where um, in Europe is he from? I'm not sure. I don't know. So are you sure they use the euro there? He's well, he's from England. They don't use the euro there. Not anymore. They use pounds. Did they use it back then though? I have no fucking clue. Well, it's the closest thing I got. So Jamie. Jamie. <laughs> uh it's the closest thing I got. Also, you should read this. That's so hard to read because it's so dense. But it's a lot it's about a lot of what we talked about today. It's called uh Inhuman Bondage. It's about slavery. This, another historical book. Um, it's about Jesus as a person, not as a religious figure. This Auschwitz survivor. Um, oh, you told me about incredible, that. Incredible, incredible book. You should re- read that one. Um, Stephen King on writing. You should read that one. Um, I think that's all I had to recommend you on my shelf right now. But um, pretty great stuff. Pretty great stuff. Um, I think writing, like many art forms, is. Uh, I can't even say that because like, it's not like many art. I think writing storytelling, which most art forms are storytelling, but writing is, um, I think people take it for granted. People are like, Every, anyone can write. Anyone can write a book. And you know, it's true. It doesn't have to be a good book. You Everyone everyone can write one. Um, and some people think some books are shit, and other, and other people think the same book is amazing. Um, I think people, a lot of people forget how much writing can do for people. And not just you writing it makes you feel good, but reading what somebody else wrote, knowing that, holy shit, they feel the same way. It's like anyone out there that doesn't like reading, or doesn't like writing, think about this. When's the last time you listened to a song and you were like, holy shit, that's exactly how I feel. Oh my gosh, I literally just said that yesterday. Imagine that, but 120,000 words of it. 
that's if that's not the craziest thing. Um, and everyone has a story to tell. Everybody has a story to tell. Even if they don't realize it, I promise you I could find it within you. Um, whether it's your own story or somebody else's. Because you're right now, what you want to do with your story, you're telling somebody else's story through how you, you're romanticizing in a very good way, in an appropriate way, um, how you view your grandparents, one of which you've never met, but you've heard so many things about, and you're um, talking about the war. And I think it, that's not only very exciting and very Hemingway-esque, uh, but people forget you know, what writing is sometimes. And you know uh, Mark Scorsese, the uh, director? He would he he hates Marvel movies. Yeah, he does. Because they're like, oh, it's ruining everything. It's all this, this, and that. I understand what he's saying. I do think some people are forgetting, like, what's out there. It's like, holy shit. You ever see, like, Mark Scorsese, uh, Shutter Island. The what? Such a good movie. Are you kidding me? Um, People forget, like, there's other flavors of movies out there. And I think people forget that there's other flavors of content out there. And... People need to, if not read more, they should all be writing more, one or the other. Um, you don't have to do fiction. You can do nonfiction. Um, I think that's very beneficial. But um, I'm just in love that you want to do that. I think it's very cool. Thanks, man. You're welcome. Appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. I was actually really excited to tell you when I told you about it because I, I knew that right, you yeah. gave me some good tips. Well, I'm like, as far as tips go, like, in the event that we continue talking about this later on, I, listen, ask me a fucking question. I'm going to answer it with my opinion what I got. Because um, I think what I'm very good at is, uh, <laughs> this sounds so stupid, telling people what I think. I think I'm good at telling people what I think. Um, <laughs> so if you ask me something, I'm going to fucking tell you. But um, I think it's, with writing, I'm like, Odds are you're probably be a lot better at writing than I am, but what I what I can do is I can under I I would I know why you're better than me or not better than me, right? Um, so that's why yeah I love like tips I love like fucking talking about like how we're gonna figure this out it's the best thing I, and I was very excited well we talked about it for like 15 minutes in like the middle of a wedding right it was great it was great yeah, it, it was, was great yeah it was fantastic um I can go on forever but yeah I love writing it's so fun even like. I have no goals. No, <laughs> let me finish that thought. I have no goals for this book. Like whatever happens with it happens. However it finishes, it finishes. If I finish it, great. If I don't, it's just as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, like that's that's kind of why I like it because I do feel certain pressures. Like what? Go ahead. Like internal pressures to write something good. Like I find myself getting writer's block because I can't put together the right. I can't paint the right picture with the words I'm using. That's why I plan. Yeah. Yeah. But also, it's like when I plan, I I feel like, I never tried planning, but I feel like if I plan it, I'm going to run into the same problem because I can't think of the right combination of words at that specific time. This this is what I think you, I don't want to say what you're doing wrong, but I think where you're, you're, why you're hitting a brick wall is because your first draft really shouldn't be about making it the most articulate thing. It should just be about this happens, this happens, this happens, this happens at the end. And then the second draft is, okay, now let's make it look pretty. Um, let's really get into it. And that's why I like planning because I, I, I could look at the story beats. Um, and I don't know what you do if you're sitting down at your computer or you write with your pen and paper or whatever. And you're like, I know where I want the story to go. And I know like what the next 
paragraph is going to be, but I haven't figured out how to make it sound pretty or how to make it sound the best I can to get to that paragraph. I think you're doing too much work right now. I think you got to finish the story and then you can go back because what you're also going to do is you're going to write your story, put it in a cabinet for like a month, come back to it, realize how horrible it is. And now you can fix it instead of trying to finish it. You understand? Yeah, I know. But also I like, I hate writing something that I know I could do a lot better. I get that. I, I get hate that. It. So, like, I I want to be able to not look at it for a month and come back to it and be like, <laughs> yeah, this is actually pretty good. Like, yeah, I could do. I know I could do better, but for a first draft, this is actually pretty good. So, I get caught up on the smallest things. Like, I think once I was writing and I spent like thirty minutes trying to figure out the perfect alliteration for what I was trying to say. It was so minor. It was like. I understand. I was describing like a bus driving down the road. Yeah, and I was like, "I this needs to to flow really well because it's coming from it's like it's like the it was like the first chapter. It's like we have to know exactly how this guy thinks and how how just poetic his his thoughts are always." I totally understand what you're saying because, like I said before, like being offender, being being an offender, and. Uh, What's the other th- like telling people what to do and like not? I, I'm a hypocrite basically. I I do the same thing you do. I say to you, oh no, just don't worry about it. But then I'll be sitting on my like ind- index card trying to play, and I'm like, bro, this isn't perfect. And I talked to one of my other podcast guests. His name's Cody Jaffe, and he that was a great episode. I love that episode. And he was talking about how he said to me what my problem was, and I think it was really good that he said it and not me because I said it, it would have sounded like I was being an asshole. And being, like, really pompous. Like, oh, look at me. He said I was a perfectionist. And he said, you see, Mark, you're a perfectionist. I was like, holy shit, you're right. And that's not a good thing Mm -hmm. because I'm stopping myself from moving forward because I want things to be perfect. I can't finish, and I end up failing. Now, everyone's different. You might need to do it this way. I don't know. I'm not trying to tell you I do. Um, But, yeah, that's like that perfectionist dilemma where you need it to be perfect because you keep judging yourself. and can you knock out a great story by doing that? Yeah, probably. Would it take a lot longer? Absolutely. I think so. Because either way, you still have to go, you're still going to have to go back and fix it. You know? And and how horrible would it be is if you put all this work in t- trying to make it perfect, and when you're done, you go back and you remove entire chapters because you don't like it. But you spent months writing one of those chapters. That would suck. Am I going to have the same problem? Yeah, I'm going to have the same problem. Um, but I, I, I think... Both of us, at least myself, because I can't yeah. tell you what to do. Should try to fix that. Yes, perfectionism is is one of the biggest forms of self sabotage. Yeah, like it just lim- it limits you so much. Another another reason why you should read this book. He uh, Stephen King talks about write with write with the door closed, meaning don't show anyone, don't tell anyone, don't talk about it. You don't want any input from the outside world other than your own head. And then when you're done, rewrite with the door open. Now that you're done and you're rewriting it. Get everybody's opinion. Um, so, the reason why I say that is because what you kind of just said, like the self-sabotage thing, right? Um, try to, although you are your own person, try to think about yourself as somebody else. Don't listen to yourself talk, okay? Don't listen to yourself talk. Just be you writing the story. Don't try to think, oh, but like, my future self isn't going to be happy I did this. Oh, but my future self is going to thank me for making this so perfect. No, he's not. Your future self is going to change it. I think you should 
write the beats. I know what my present self is. Like, I know. You're like, what the <laughs> fuck? I totally get it. I totally get it. And it sucks, man. This is why I think, okay, you should also read Lord of the Rings. It's the easiest book I ever read. He's such a simple writer. I'm like, I can't believe the the right behind the Bible, the most purchased book in the entire world is this easy to read. And then I also think you should read Stephen King because you realize that the whole thing about the, the way he thinks is very poetic. Uh, the way he sees a bus drive down. The, the, or he loves rain. Like, why does he love rain? He thinks to himself, every raindrop's like a little surprise. You never know where, when it's going to hit. And he finds so much joy in that because he can't get it anywhere else. So he can't wait for the clouds to get dark because he knows it's going to be a good day. That's incredible. That's incredible, right? But if you read something like Stephen King, the second most paid author in the entire world, right behind J.K. Rowling, the only reason why she's paid so much is because he owns the rights to every single uh, Harry Potter thing. If you buy a shirt from Hot Topic, she's getting some of that money. But Stephen King is right behind her, okay? And you read his book, and he's so quick with it, unless it's about, like, some shitty thing that I had a gripe about before, but he doesn't stay on those little parts. I'm like, how can the uh, second uh, greatest writer of our time right now, subjectively, um, be so simple about things, yet sell so many copies? The other thing, too, is, of course, that's his style. You have a different style, and you want your style to show not Stephen King's and not Gerald Tolkien's, right? But, um... I think sometimes it feels like a security. It feels like insurance knowing that other people did it without having to put too much stress on it. You, We just compared you and you agreed to Ernest Hemingway, the simplest writer that's ever existed. Yet, I mean, like, he lives within every single school. That's, they talk about him all the time. The papers on him, philosophies about him. Um, I, underst- I understand how you feel about being perfect, about getting it right. But I also think you might feel that way, cause, and I feel this way, because it's our first story. Yeah. And we want it to be great. And I don't think that's a good way to look at it. I know, but it can't stop. <laughs> I know. I know it's hard. I know it's I think. I think it's something you'll, you'll have to... Look at me talking as if like I know the fuck I'm talking about. Like, I've done it before. I think you're going to... You might have to end up finishing this to realize you don't have to do it like that again. Yeah. Um... It was crazy. I'm going to go through all this and never write another story. That's fine. Yeah, that's I fine. I think, and I think that's kind of cool too. I think in life, there's a few things everyone should try to do. And one of those things is try to write a book, even if it's like 100 pages, 50, like something small. I don't care. Because um, saying that I wrote a book and it's published, even if it's by like published digitally by Amazon, that's still fucking cool. It's like, wow, I accomplished something. I think even if you just wrote one book, that's so cool. I think it's really cool, too. I think it's very cool. And also, when it comes to artists, whether you're you're a painter, you're a writer, you're a musician, it it, it hurts. Like, it hurts your soul knowing that you can die without t- telling people what you're thinking. Um, and it's selfish. Art is very selfish. People are going to say, oh, because I want people to see the beauty in this mountain range. I'm like, yeah. But you want to you wanna show people because you saw it this way. Like, you want to put your thumbprint on the way they view things. Very selfish, but in a good way. Very good way. I think we need it. I think we need art. Um, So I think very selfishly, you should not only finish this book, but be very proud of yourself. But like I said, and I know you can't do it, and neither can I, I think you should try to 
go easier on yourself for the first draft, you know? Yeah. That's it. I know. I'll work on it. You work on You'll it. You'll work on it too. I'll man. work on it too. I got after the episode. We're gonna wrap up in a second. After we're done, I want to show you something because um, how I plan so you could see. Maybe you're like, oh, I'll try it out. At least if you ever write something new, because I don't yeah. think you should change it now. It's a little too late for that. But in the event that you wanted to change the way you went about it, take a look what I do, and I'd love to see anything you have, um, because um, I have like stacks of index cards, and one is the first part part of the story and the other is the second part and I completed it and now I move on to the other parts yeah. and that feels so good okay I've got it all planned out and I can move on that feels good uh you know the guy who does um uh what's the tv show that the last season was horrible about sword is like lord of the rings but not lord of the rings um oh my gosh with Jon Snow or something oh game of thrones game of thrones uh he the, that writer he does what you do he's a planter he just writes, and he says he hates himself for it because he always backs himself up into a corner because he's got so many characters. I mean, like, who knows? He says that he likes to find out who the characters are on their own organically. But um, even someone like him, who is massively successful, um, says that they kind of wish that they did it differently, but they can't figure out how yeah. because they're, that's just not them. Um, so I know it's kind of late, and you really don't have to change, but um, if you ever did, it's cool to try different ways. Because I've tried yeah. doing what you do, and I can't do it. Yeah. I don't I don't know if I could do it the other way, honestly. Yeah. Dude, I, you know what sucks? What? I lost. So I've written four chapters of my book. Okay. I lost the first chapter. How? How do you fucking lose the first chapter? I don't know. Um, it's the most confusing thing. I wrote it on- What? I wrote it on Google Docs, too. What? It's not there anymore. That must have hurt, man. It hurts really bad. I bet you wrote a better chapter, though. Now that I haven't written it. I uh, bet when you do, it's going to be better. I can't even look at it because that was also the chapter that I was talking about where I spent so long on that one sentence. And it's all gone. Like, I don't even remember what I wrote anymore. No. You know what grandma used to always say to me, speaking of which, because the whole story is about her and stuff. She always said, I would, she's an old lady. She doesn't know. And I was like, she was like, Marky, you got to you gotta write it on paper. And I'm like, oh, this woman doesn't get it. But she's right. Fucking, at least I'm trying to do it on both or take pictures of the paper. You know, yeah. you got it on both. But, um. Sometimes she's right. Yeah, I was in denial about it for a long time. I it. can't believe that happened to you. I was really pissed. I don't know how it happened. Yeah, I don't know. You, oh my gosh, sucks. That's that that is makes me angry. Did, what did, what did you feel after? Did, were you just like ex- did you accept it? Or I know you said you were in denial. Like when you went to sleep that night, what was it like? I was like, I'm never writing this book again. I'm never writing I'm it never again. Writing it's not it happening. And I, I didn't write for like a year. Have you? It was partially because of that and also because I was just lazy. Yeah. But that was a big part of it. I was like, I don't want to write anymore because I don't think I could recreate. Because I really liked my first chapter. I really liked it. Yeah. And I don't think I could recreate it. That sucks, man. That sucks. You ever think about screenwriting? Like no, writing for movies? I haven't ever thought about it. Because uh, I think everyone that did the mic hear that. I just cracked my neck. Did you hear it? I think so. Oh, great. That's kind of cool. Um, I think every writer should try to see what everything, what, how everything is. Um, you might like screenwriting too. Cause screenwriting, I fucking hate screenwriting. I think it's really fun, but I hate it because there's a lot of rules. Like if you ever wanted to sell a screenplay, um, you'd have to make sure you follow a lot of screenplay rules. Even my my co-host in my other series, even he says screenwriting's fake writing basically because you have to follow rules that don't matter. Um, like it's just annoying. It's it's tedious. Um, but I think you should look into it because it might be might be a little fun for you to like 
if you wanted to think about a way to like write a chapter, it's like, okay, I'm going to write a chapter, but I'm going to do it in screenplay format because I don't have to do as much work. I can just write the dialogue basically. God, I hate I hate writing dialogue. It's hard. Sometimes dialogue's it. hard. It feels so unnatural to me. It doesn't it? It does. I mean, you you could read some books. Okay, another book. Um, okay, first of all, Stephen King, right? Like I keep saying that the uh, on writing, but then this whole podcast is basically a Stephen King promotion. Yeah. Uh, not that this has much to do with what we we're just talking about with dialogue, but this is a good one too. Um, it's just a you know brush up with some grammar and and you know syntax and stuff. That's a good one, but. What I was going to say is there's a lot of books where there's either really shit dialogue in a lot of it or little dialogue and what is there is very good. Everyone's different. You might write in your entire, let's say, uh, 100, 200 pages with one line of dialogue. It could happen. I don't f- know how you do it, but it doesn't mean it's going to be bad because dialogue is awkward. It is awkward. It's so awkward because Get a little bit it's, closer. it's so easy. You can pull this, by the way. I know. I just keep forgetting. It's so easy to make it sound so unnatural and be like no one talks like that yeah no one no yeah it's weird i think um i think the hardest part about dialogue is starting the conversation but once you're in it it's pretty easy and that's like most things in writing yeah um but it's hard to the reason why you don't show anybody your story before you've written it is because they don't understand what your story is because it's not finished, right? So it's, like, hard to even ask for input about, like, a scene of dialogue because they don't know how the character's saying it. They don't know if they're yelling, they're crying. They don't know, like, what the history's been. So you can't even ask for help. It's, like, weird. Yeah, um, it is. Yeah, it's very complicated. Um, I don't know. Sometimes you can't really get around it, though, because you, you're going to need dialogue eventually. I know. I've been avoiding it as much as I can. Which is fine, though, Jack. It's fine. I know. That's fine. And I I think it's impressive, too. I think I think, I think people enjoy, at least a good amount of people enjoy just being inside of the character's head. I think that's perfectly fine. And most books, uh, obviously most of it is not dialogue. It's narration. I think, if anything, if you know what you're not good at, make the other thing super good. Make that your strong suit. Make your narration, which I think you are, after what you've told me, that's going to be your strong suit. Like, explaining things, using adjectives to describe how... Yeah, I think you're making that your strong suit. Um Cause yeah, dialogue is really weird, and once you learn it, you're fine. But I think it takes people a while to really learn how to do it. Like I don't know what the hell I'm doing, um, and I think my story is di- dialogue heavy. My story is dialogue heavy, and it, and it scares it still scares the hell out of me. Um, so yeah, I get it. Yeah, the thing with dialogue, I think with me, is I like I literally have to have the conversation with somebody, so then I, I can then write it yes. down. Yes, I get that. If you have any. I don't know, because I know like you don't go to an art school or anything, but if you have any acting friends, you should write the dialogue and ask them to do it. I think that'd be great. Um, or go on Fiverr, you know what Fiverr yeah, is? I and do. like have have two people run the dialogue. Like pay, pay like 10 bucks. Like, all right, you run this dialogue if you really need to do it. Because um, that does that does help. Because um, I'm filming a few things with some people right now, and then watching them listen to what they wrote, it's very interesting because they realize, oh, that doesn't work. Oh, that's, that's great. Oh, that worked perfectly. Um because once you hear, like, actors actually read it out loud, you're like, cool. But then also, when people read the book, they're not looking at actors. They're, they have it in their own head. you got to remember, you might think it's horrible, but somebody else might hear it exactly the way they need to. Because remember, you're judging yourself because you're the yeah. one writing it. Yeah. The person reading it is going to think it's exactly how it's supposed to be, and they're going to read it to make it sound like it makes sense, because that's what our human brains are going to do. Like, of course you would say that. And he said it exactly the way I thought he would. No shit, because you're the one reading it. 
when you're writing it, you're like, oh shit, I'm ju- I don't know how this is gonna be. You're judging yourself because that's what you do because it's your story. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, so you're uh, it's hard because you're judging yourself, but at the end of the day, you're gonna be fine. Um, Jack, this is great. Thank you so much. This is awesome. It was awesome. I, love had, it. I had a lot of fun. I had a lot yeah. of fun. Um, so should we finish the way we started? We will, <laughs> but before we do, I don't know how you're gonna do that. But um, when are you going back to school? August, like late August. Late August. Um, so I, I feel like I'm. I, I want to like get you in one more time before before you leave again, just because you're not gonna be here. I might as well, you know, because it's a lot yeah. of fun. Um, I don't know Wait, how are you gonna end this. I don't know, but if you guys are ever in Russia, <laughs> and <laughs> I think it's in Moscow, and you happen to go to oh my gosh, yeah, 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 uh, this one museum, <laughs> there's this really interesting exhibit about this magic man from oh my gosh from the olden days who was unkillable people are gonna think you're lying but it's true and apparently <laughs> he controlled czar nicholas ii for many a years and i don't know where i'm going with go this ahead. but basically rasputin <laughs> <laughs> was well endowed and it's this saved. Rasputin had a really big dick. It's saved for and some it's reason. In a museum. It's in they, a museum. They, they cut it off him and saved it. Go look at it if you're ever in Russia. Yeah. Or just look it up if you're Or just look curious. it up. Yeah, just look it up. Because it's history. <laughs> it's it's history. Guys, thank you so much for watching. Jack, thank you so much for being here. Um, and I think that's it. All right. Thanks, Mark. All right. Thank you, everybody. Bye, guys.